This episode of the Enhancement Talent is brought to you by Mick Foley brand steel chairs. Sure, you can bash them over somebody's head, but just sit down on them like a normal person, you lunatic. This week on the Enhancement Talent, we venture down to the land of extreme for the next leg of our tag team tournament. Join us as we determine the best tag team in ECW history. All right, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With me tonight, as always, the other half of the amazing Lopez Cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How are you doing tonight, Bob? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, sitting here, side-eyeing some Fall Brawl 94. I think it'll be all right, getting some old-school WCW in. Uh, you know, it's kind of keep keep the mood of last week's episode going, you know, since, uh, you know, that turned out to be a really good bracket. How about you? How are things going? Just living that dream, brother. Yep. Living the dream. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, sir. What uh, you said you were you were uh, fall brawl. What which fall brawl are you watching? Are you watching? I'm, I'm one behind you. I just started. It was fall brawl '93. Um, so the main or the main match to start off was uh, William Regal versus Ricky Steamboat. And when I saw that those two were in the ring, I was like, oh, I actually want to watch this because I'm sure this would be a great fight. So uh, I, I did not. Um, go further on because I didn't have a chance to actually watch the match. Yeah. But I'm one year behind you. I'll catch up. Well, that means William Regal uh, opens up Fall Brawl twice twice in a row because he's the opening match in Fall Brawl 94 with Mark Merrow. And damn, he just booted him right in the damn mouth. That looked that looked real. Um, he's a handsome man, that man. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's a man's man. <laughs> Well, speaking of man's men, out in beautiful Cary, oh. Illinois, the Warsaw blonde himself, Adam Kolavik. How you doing tonight, Adam? I'm doing good. I feel a little left out that uh, I don't have a TV up here, so I don't have any Fall Brawl on. But uh, I will tell you that the opening match of Fall Brawl 95, I just looked it up, uh, jo- uh, Johnny B. Bad versus Brian Pillman. Oh, wow. So Johnny B. Bad makes it two in a row the next year. Mm-hmm. Wow. The wild man. Unfortunate. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he wins against Brian Pillman. So, well, yeah, Pillman was on his last legs by Fall Brawl '95 in WCW. Unfortunately, but only a matter of time before he shows up in ECW and uh, pulls out his Johnson and threatens to piss in the middle <laughs> of the ring. It, it calls out the smart marks. Mm-hmm. Smart marks. <laughs> you know what a smart mark is. <laughs> Smart Mark is a guy who spent his last five dollars on crack cocaine. <laughs> Fucking Brian poor, Pillman, man. Poor Virgil. Yep. Uh, well, before we get into the news, I wanted to I wanted to mention our fan vote uh, for the uh, tag team tournament. Our our WWE fan vote just ended, and the fans. Uh, went a different route. Of course, if you listen to our WWF or WWE Tag Team Tournament uh, episode, we picked a new day to go to the Final Four here on the show. But in the fan vote, 
they went with the Hart Foundation uh, going out and uh, making it to the Final Four, the winner of the WWE bracket. Uh, the WCW fan vote just started today, so we'll see how that one shakes out. But um, Nasty boy yeah. all the way. <laughs> yeah, they're already losing the Harlem Heat as it, as it should be. Um, I'm going but, on the vote right now. There you go. Go vote. You too, Adam. You got to vote too. And all you listeners out there, all you listeners out there in Enhancement Talent Land, go out and vote in the fan vote. What I noticed that in the w, in the WWE one, we were running into a lot of ties, and um, you know we had it's to like do Royal some, Rumble ninety three or yeah 94. right yeah so we had to do some tie, we had to do some tiebreakers which kind of um, made the made the tournament go a little bit longer than I wanted it to. So I'm going to make a rule now that um, instead of ties, if the vote is tied by the end of the uh, the voting period, the higher seed will advance. Because, you know, if we keep on doing these tiebreakers, it's going to last, you know, weeks after we've already done this. Did you actually vote for the Nasty Boys? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, you're going to mess around and actually get them advancing. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got the match? We want the bowlers to. We want the bowlers to unite and move forward. Yeah. The the female professional bowlers to take out uh, (laughs) a... The Ebony experience. Um, <laughs> Who yeah. is having a match? The Nasty Boys or Dalton Castle's boys? Oh, Dalton Castle's boys, of course. Easily, easily. Yeah. But Adam, now you have to you have to cancel Bob's vote. You have to go up there and vote for Harlem Heat. After we get no, off. Okay. Oh, well, I can get on. <laughs> this is rigged. This is rigged. <laughs> He's... Bob's just trying to raise awareness for female professional bowling. That's all he's. That's all he's exactly. Exactly. Yes. They don't get enough love. Female um, professional bowlers uh, awareness night. Every, everybody <laughs> has a day. There's a day for everything. So today is a female, a female pro- professional bowlers awareness day. With with Hall of Fame female professional bowler Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! All right, the the vote swung seventy five twenty five now. Okay, I cast my vote for Harlem. Hey, the, I'm afraid to book. I'm afraid to book your tea. I don't want to. Mess yeah, with and make sure you vote for every match too, because we got to get. Yeah, we got to we got to do these up right. Um, but yeah, that's the the fan vote. WCW has just started. Who will join? The Heart Foundation in the final four of the fan vote. Like I said, we already have on the show half of our final four determined. We have the New Day and the Road Warriors both going to the final four. Um, and tonight we're going to determine which ECW tag team is going to make up the third of the final four. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, but before we do that, Let's get into some wrestling news. Not a lot of news to report on tonight, which is a you know kind of an escape from last week because we spent like a fucking hour on wrestling news last week. Uh, it was a good solid hour. There was lots, cool yeah, stuff to talk. About. There was a lot of stuff to talk about, but there's just a little bit to talk about this week. Um, I wanted to touch base on the uh, the new 
Endeavor WWE um, combination, the new company that's going to be uh, formed in the aftermath of the sale to the Endeavor Group uh, from WWE. The the specifics of the sale are Endeavor Group is going to take a fifty one percent. Uh, majority ownership of the of this new group with 49% going to the WWE and and its shareholders you know Vince McMahon their executive team and all those other shareholders are going to get 49% of uh ownership of this new company um so while Vince McMahon is back in a role as an executive director of WWE um, and ha- and is in charge basically of WWE as you know a sovereign as you know that part of the company. The overall boss is still Ari Emanuel, the the owner of Endeavor Group, um, and the buck is stopping with him now, and not Vince. And I just wanted to talk about that with you guys because for the last forty plus years, Vince has been very used to being the head honcho he's been the guy who you know the buck stopped with him he had last word on everything and he's in a position now where that might not necessarily be the case uh the details of his rehiring are he hi- he signed a two-year contract um for his employment back into the company but by doing so he has to follow a code of conduct, which he never had to before, you know, in WWE, and plus, yeah, and plus the company has really come out and said that there's going to be zero tolerance when it comes to any sort of sexual harassment or any of the shit that, you know, got Vince in trouble this past fall. So I wanted to present to you guys, what do you think, how do you think Vince is going to handle all this? A, not being the boss of bosses anymore, and B, having to actually, you know, reel it in as far as not being a sex pervert, pretty much. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. How do you think Vince is going to handle all this? I really don't think he'll be phased by it, to be honest with you. Um, I I don't know much about Endeavor or Ari. Ari Emanuel, what what does he do? He was he was a Hollywood agent. That's how he got started, um, and that's where he made the majority of his money. And then he he founded this Endeavor Group, which you know got a lot of investors going. Eventually, they got big enough to buy the UFC from the Fertitta brothers, and um, you know they made a ton of money doing that. And now. They've swallowed up WWE as well. Yeah. So, well, if 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 that's his background and stuff like that, I don't really see him having a background in wrestling. Yeah, he's he's the main boss. I get it now, but if he was the main boss for the UFC as well, you know, Dana White's still the man that's in charge, and Dana White's still the uh, the face piece of, of the UFC. Um, you know, they let him run that aspect of it and let him still be Dana White and do what he's got to do. So I think they'll let Vince do the same thing. Um, let him run the wrestling aspect of things because I don't really see this Ari Emanuel coming in and, and running it. Um, yeah, obviously they're going to be strict on it. And I think Vince knows that, you know, especially with what he went through 
um, all these lawsuits that were going through, his name being, you know, thrown everywhere from newspapers to all these other articles and, you know, the money that we talked about that he had to um, repay back and stuff like that. So, obviously, his image is, uh, is smeared there, but I think he'll go ahead and, and play by the rules now that he's back in the picture as long as he gets to uh, be a part of the wrestling thing. But I, I, don't, I don't see a change for him, to be honest. Okay. How about you, Adam? What do you think Vince is going to handle this? I'm mostly in agreement. Um, there's nine billion reasons why Vince can play ball. Um, isn't that what they sold it for? Yeah, they sold it for about nine billion. Um, you know, that's that's not like nine billion dollars cash. That's like stocks and all this other kind of stuff. But even still, it was a pretty hefty penny. Yeah. So. I mean, in terms of curbing uh, his uh, discretions, uh, there's nine billion reasons why he can uh, he can pursue whatever is going on there that I don't want to know about, um, and and not keep you know not have it in the company. There's other there's there's millions of other women out there for him, so I think he could play ball there. Um, I think the. The interesting thing, I agree with Bob that um, I'm sure they're gonna uh, Endeavor's gonna let uh, WWE's people do their thing. The question I have is, uh, I'm wondering if there's gonna be some sort of uh, uh, power struggle going on. Um, you know, will McMahon and Triple H both try to get Nari Emanuel's ear and say, "Hey, uh, this is my vision. We should go this direction." I find it very interesting that, you know, we talked about on the last episode how horrible uh, the Raw after WrestleMania was and how negative the fan reaction was. And coincidentally or not, the the following SmackDown and Raw from this Monday, uh, Vince wasn't really involved in it. So what was that about him being involved the night after WrestleMania and then he comes off the radar again? So there's all this weirdness going on backstage so I'm just wondering if uh, there's going to be a tug of war uh, with Ari Emanuel over who's truly running things because it's obvious if you listen to, to the fans they want Triple H to be in charge yeah I mean but he also said like we talked about last week you know he wasn't he wasn't going to do this deal without Vince so in his mind you know Vince is the guy who built it so Vince is the guy who's going to run it um, I, but, but then again, you you never but know. If your you ratings know. take a hit and your fan base is pissed off, how that's long do you stick with them? That's true, and I think they may be a little bit quicker on the gun to uh, make changes if things go sideways um, than they were back in the day when Vince was just running the whole show. So yeah, I think they have to be wary of that. You know, I think guys like Kevin Dunn are not on as firm of ground anymore because they can be replaced at any given point at this at this uh, juncture. But he's another one who got pretty ha- handsomely rewarded with the sale of the company. Um, so even if he does get let go, he's not going to suffer very much. I think that... It, it, you know, backstage politicking is not new in wrestling, hardly. So, getting you know, having somebody like Triple H maybe getting in in uh, Ari Emanuel's ear, it's possible. I don't know how how much he'll how much he'll listen, but 
I don't know. I think it's an ego thing, maybe with Vince. It maybe, totally is. You know, maybe it's maybe it might get to him that you know while he is still uh, running the show in WWE, he has a boss now. He's not used to having a boss. So I don't know if that might chafe him a bit. I, who knows? We'll, we'll have to see. Um, it just makes things a little bit more interesting. That's why I wanted to bring it up and see how, what you guys thought of it. Um, now, other news uh, on the AEW side of things. Uh, it was announced today. Uh, Bobby, let me you let us know through text that it was announced that the was it June twenty first episode of Dynamite is going to be held here in Chicago at the Wintrust Arena. And the second that it was announced, a lot of chatter came up about this being the potential reintroduction of CM Punk back into AEW. Uh, There's been reports from, um, I believe, uh, Meltzer, and I think Sean Ross Sapp has said some other stuff about it too, about um, CM Punk making it pretty clear that he wants back in. Um, and that he's willing to work with the elite and all this, trying to you know work things out, smooth things over. Nobody's really sure what the elite thinks of it yet because nobody's really talked to them about it. Um, I also heard in one of the stories that um, they've set up a meeting between CM Punk and Jericho because a couple weeks ago Punk went on kind of a rant on Instagram and and called Jericho a liar and a stooge. Um, so I guess there's there's got to be some smoothing over of of things, you know, between those two. Um, I just think that, you know, I think it's only a matter of time before CM Punk comes back. You know, they didn't fire him. I think if they were going to fire him, they would have done it by now. Um, and there's just too much money to be to be made by with him coming back. You know, it's just... The ratings, the numbers, everything will go up the second he comes back. There's no denying that. Um, So for him to come back, especially before a big pay-per-view like Forbidden Door, and potentially getting into a program, maybe even with the Elite, in time for All In, that's just... You know that's just, that the cash registers are chinging. You you can you can already hear it. So um, I want to know what you guys think. What what are your thoughts on a potential CM Punk return in Chicago, and how do you think things will be different? Do you think things will be different, or do you think Punk will just be back to his old ways and he'll talk himself out of the fucking company before too long? Let's start with you this time, Adam. I think, you know, when the whole uh, brawl out thing started, um, I said that uh, I'm, I'm watching that press conference. I've watched it a couple times since. CM Punk seems to me like he's got an anger problem. I think I think some of this was tied into, you know, what, what's, what gets buried with that press conference is uh, he got injured in the match and he was facing eight or nine months on the shelf, and he had just come back from injury uh, prior. They won the belt twice. He got hurt both times. I think there was some frustration with that that played in the, some of his comments. And again, uh, you know, whatever issues he had with the elite um, 
bled into that. The, the dude just seems to have uh, an anger problem. Um, so if I were Tony Khan, I would, uh, and who knows if they've been talking or not, I would have told him he would that he should take some sort of anger management course as a prerequisite to come back. Uh, obviously, I think he owes people an apology too, um, which she seems willing to do at this point, uh, from what you just said. Um, yeah, the, from what I read a lot of the same reports today, and one report said uh, the elite wasn't too keen on working with them and then another one said it was unknown so again we don't we don't know the real story um you know uh dax harwood said on on his podcast um you know that should be the main event of all then you're gonna have eighty thousand people there and that's what'll draw ftr and and punk against the elite so that's it, it's kind of all in their hands i i agree i think i don't i i uh, you know, wrestling is full of people who got second, third chances. Look at the uh, Jeff Hardy he got to come back yesterday. How many chances has he had uh, with multiple companies? So you know, I, I'm I'm willing to give him another shot, but yeah, um, they have to they have to play this carefully because I think maybe there's there should be a clause or something. If he screws up again, that's it. Uh, they're immediately terminated. But uh, it's obviously, it's going to get people talking. You're right, it'll draw. So I, ultimately, I think they'll work something out. But uh, I, I think it's 50-50. Uh, he, could, he could be a good soldier like he was the first year and then unravel again or uh, or maybe he learned his lesson because where else is he going to go? Because I really don't see Triple H or uh, Vince taking him back at this point. Well, I mean, when he talks, but yeah, I, I think you know, we'll see. I think he, I think if it's obvious, if he had the choice between WWE and AEW, he's siding with AEW uh, first. I, you know, but if the money's right, I'm sure he would have gone. To, he'd go back to WWE. Um, as far as you know, him having an anger problem, I think that's true. I think he also has major trust issues. I think that's kind of obvious. The guy just doesn't trust anybody. Um, and, you know, all these things about, you know, him possibly getting Cole Cabana, you know, taken off TV and all this other shit, you know, and him thinking that it was the elite that started it by going, you know, to Meltzer about all this other kind of stuff. You know, don't forget, I mean, this guy, you know, in his own mind, he's been you know, shit on by everybody his entire career, whether that's correct or not, whoever knows. That's his mind frame. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. He If he does come back, he, he would have to have a real big, you know, mea culpa to the entire locker room and even to the fans too. So we'll see how that goes. But, and I think, I'm oh, sorry, ahead. just wanted to add one thing. And I think hopefully Tony Khan learned from this because – I think he was punk. Uh, I have to agree with his detractors. He was a big punk mark throughout this whole thing, and uh, he completely got caught with his pants down at that press conference. He, he was yeah. like a deer in the headlights. He didn't know how to respond, and uh, you know, you give someone enough rope, they're going to hang you with it sometimes. So uh, I hope uh, he learned something about leadership and uh, when you got to stand up to your talent and and tell them, you know. You're taking this too far. I mean, uh, p- people have said on other 
podcasts I've listened to, you know, Vince McMahon would have shut that down immediately if that happened at the WWE. Even Triple H, for crying out loud, would have shut it down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think if Tony Khan hasn't learned his lesson from this whole thing, then there's probably no hope for him. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, Bob, how about you? What's your whole take on this whole CM Punk thing? I smile when Adam said Vince McMahon would have shut it down and so would have Triple H. And then I immediately think of the Montreal Screwjob. Um, I, I think, like you, like you guys both mentioned, I think we'll come back. And I think it it's the fact of all about the money. Uh, the money talks. The money's... The, the, this is the biggest thing, you know. The, the, these guys are, are are coming into it. You want to create those dream fantasy matches, and and Eric Bischoff said it best with his book that that controversy creates cash. So yeah, the FTR, you know, elite CM Punk matchup would be great because everyone would want to see that. Because you've heard before in the past, you know, Dax has been vocal about how him and the the Young Bucks used to be friends, and then that friendship broke up when they all came together at AEW. Um, if they weren't going to bring him back, why continue to sell his merchandise at, at every venue still? You know, CM Punk shirts are still being sold at all the AEW shows. He's still one of their top-selling merchandise people with regards to, uh, you know, the shirts that they move. So, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of time before they bring him back. Like you said, I think he needs to come in. I think he needs to apologize. And, like, and, and again, it's just there's not a lot of options out there. You could go to Japan. You can do that just like uh, Mercedes is doing now, but I think if if he has to want to sit back and think about what his legacy would be like, it, is this something that he could come back and just swallow his pride and, and fix his legacy, or always be known as the whiny little bitch that you know argues with everybody and, and whenever he doesn't get what he wants, you know? So it's like, do you want to be known as that CM Punk, or do you want to be known as the one that says, okay, I come back and I help save a company? you know, and push them to higher levels than they can be. So I, I think it's a matter of time before he comes back, you know, like like you said, certain people have certain value. We, we You and I, Tony, we went to a show here for Ring of Honor, and they announced Kenny Omega for the first time, and those tickets sold out within three minutes. CM Punk, they just teased him coming back at the United Center. Darby Allen teased them, and those tickets sold out at the United Center. You know, so it's like you 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 bring this back to Chicago again. You tease the possibility of CM Punk, and it'll probably be a sellout again. Why? Because this is CM Punk's, you know, city. But it, it, like you said, the fans want to see it, the people want to see it, and then what goes from there? Uh, the biggest thing, like Adam said, you know, Tony Khan needs to put his foot down. He's talked about Jericho stepping up and be a leader. Uh, Moxley being a leader, Daniel Bryan being a leader, and and those people need to continue to do that with you know punk in the locker room as well so i think they all need to mend their fences and say hey man let's go make money and that's that's the best thing for business yeah yep that's what it all comes down to you know gotta get that green man and there's a lot of green to be made if cm punk does in fact come back so we'll see how we'll see what happens you know june 21st not that far away all right. Well, that's the news for this week. Uh, much shorter than last week. Um, 
So let's get into the task at hand, gentlemen. We are in our third bracket for our tag team tournament here. Like I said, we already did WWE with the New Day coming out on top in that one. We already we last week we did WCW with the Road Warriors coming out on top in that one. And this week is our Philadelphia, Pennsylvania bracket. It's our ECW bracket this week. Go down to the House of Extreme and see who comes out on top in our ECW brackets. Uh, like we did last week, you know, with these brackets, we all, you know, put in 25 of the top tag teams we could think of, ranked them. That's how they got their seedings. But going in, like we said, when it comes to ECW, it took a long time to think of 25 tag teams because. You know, aside from, you know, some really great teams up at the up at the tippity top of the iceberg, ECW wasn't really known for tag team wrestling. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be interesting. Uh, you guys looking forward to this? Uh, is this the the one that you're most looking forward to or the one you're just like, okay, we already know who's going to win. Let's get this out of the way. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Bob, how you feel about this ECW bracket? I told you at the very beginning we should just call this the uh, the Dudley Boys and Friends. Um, <laughs> I I look forward to see who's coming in the other positions and the matchups we could have alongside with that. But I I, I kind of have a um, an inkling as to how this is going to go down. Yeah, how about you, Adam? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's kind of a hybrid. I'm pretty sure we know who's going to win and win handily, but at the same time. Um, it's always fun to do these scenarios anyhow and uh, have a few laughs along the way. A few laughs, a few beers. A few beers, a uh, few laughs. You know, um, you know, all this talks of ECW and stuff are bad things, so um, not like, I'm not like get it over with. But, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's kind of uh, going to be as obvious as, uh, you know, who won against uh, John Boxley and Claudio against Nakazawa and... Um, Brandon Cutler, so. <laughs> nice. All right, well, without further ado, let's get into our ECW bracket. Let's start off with our first match here. Our first match, of course, it's the number one overall seed, the Dudley Boys, going up against the number 16 seed, Raven and Stevie Richards. I'll start off on this one. Um Raven and Stevie Richards were actually a pretty good team. Um, you know, the Raven, of course, one of the best ECW wrestlers of all time. Stevie Richards, underrated in my book. Stevie Richards, I think, was a hell of a wrestler, especially in the ECW days. And the the, the both of them, especially in the in the storylines that they had set up with Tommy Dreamer, um, really worked well together. So maybe they could have moved on to the second round if they were not facing the Dudley Boys. <laughs> You're talking about one of the best tag teams of all time in any wrestling federation, one of the most decorated uh, tag teams of all time in any federation. There's there's just no contest. Dudley Boys take this one in a route. Uh, Bob, how about you? What's your pick? I too liked Raven and Richards. You said um, I like that Stevie Richards gets his flowers. He was uh, very talented, tall, lanky, but he could move around really well. He was a great worker. Raven was amazing too, especially when it came to the mic. 
Um, but yeah, against anybody else, it would have been you know interesting to see a match between them two and another team. But when you put them up against the Dudleys, it's just it's not happening. So it's uh, it's an easy Dudley boys pick for me. Yeah, it's a formality. But Adam, let's get your vote. I think this match is definitely going to be more contested than uh, the WCW 1 through 16, uh, Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys. I think you know, it would definitely be much more of an entertaining <laughs> Bob match. <Shiki> <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like you both said, Raven and Richards, two uh, ECW uh, greats. Um, I, I dare to say that they they would you know if it wasn't for ecw they wouldn't be where they are today uh, you know and yeah uh, they worked in the flock and raven's nest together so there's a lot of cohesion there but uh you know bubba ray and devon are brothers so uh have the same father so we're told according to jim ross so um yeah it's uh again there'll be some action there'll be a lot of weapons involved but uh yeah this is this is elementary clean sweep for me all right so there we go three nothing the dudley boys roll past raven and stevie richards and go on to the next round all right next matchup we have the number eight overall seed the pit bulls going up against the number nine seed chris chetty and nova bob let's start with you on this one who you got pit bulls or chetty and nova I think the I think the nasty boys would have done pretty decently in ECW if they were thrown in there. If you if you really think about it, yeah, yeah maybe. I mean, just yeah. I mean, by default, with the total kind of lack of real teams in ECW, but and, and that's why I think you know they could have thrown down with the Harris brothers and the Samoan SWAT team, no problem. <laughs> but, um. I was always a big fan of Nova. I love Supernova. He was uh, he was innovative before his time. Like he was coming up with some moves that you had never seen before. Um, just very very creative, especially you know for what he did in the ring. Uh, Chris Jetty added to it. He was a uh, fast high flyer. Um, he he played that pretty boy gimmick. You know uh, he played it really well. So together they they were pretty decent. Uh, as a team, they never won any anything title wise. They never won the belts at all. Um, I felt like they were kind of thrown together as a team towards the end. You know when ECW's uh, tag team department was was kind of stalling and Nova was better off on his own anyway. But uh, when it came to the Pitbulls, ECW had something special with the Pitbulls. They were only there for a short period of time, but they just had this look, man. They were just just two jack dudes, Pitbull one and Pitbull number two. Um, you know, they, they came out and they would just destroy you and they would destroy you with the power bombs and just the brute force. And, you know, Francine came out along with them and they did win the belt. They actually won the belts from, uh, Raven and Stevie Richards. They defeated them for the belts. But, um, as much as I like Chetty and Nova, I don't see them getting past the, uh, the Pipples in this one. I think they, uh, just the brute force of it. Nova's got some talent, but I think T- Chetty's the weakest link in this one. So I go with the Pipples on this one. All right. How about you, Adam? What do you got, Chetty and Nova or the Pitbulls? I'm going to make it interesting. Um, I'm not too familiar with the Pitbulls. That was kind of before my time watching ECW, so I'm not too familiar with them. 
Um, as Bob just mentioned, they only had one one title reign. I know they're a big part of the early days, but uh, I like Chetty and Nova as a team. Uh, like Bob mentioned, uh, Nova was very underrated. Should have had a singles run. Um, I saw a few few of their matches live. Uh, no, I, they're a young team. They're an exciting team. Uh, I, I think they uh, I think they scored the upset here. I'm gonna make it interesting. Put Tony on the spot. All right. Well, let's see here. I, I was, I, you know what? I was a big fan of Chetty and Nova. They had really good chemistry together. Nova, of course, was a you know offensive innovator, just pulling shit off in the ring that you know I hadn't really seen before. And Chetty was a good worker. You know, it was he was Taz's cousin, right, Chris Chetty. So you know he had uh he had some genetic um genetic uh advantages I guess being a generation of that family but I don't know the the pitbulls I, I I think I have to go with Bob on this one the pitbulls were were a formidable team I I, I like the old school throwback you know pitbull number one and pitbull number two <laughs> you know it's you know I I, I like I like that um. Yeah, they were just like a uniform, old school, just bruiser tag team. And I think they had a little bit more uh, cohesion than Chris Chetty and Nova did. So it's, it's close, but I'll go with the Pitbulls on this one. So in a two-to-one vote, the Pitbulls advance over Chris Chetty and Nova. All right, let's get to our next match here. It's the number four seed. The Public Enemy, Flyboy Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge going up against the number 13 seed, Two Cold Scorpio and the Sandman. Adam, let's start with you on this one. Who you got, Public Enemy or Scorpio and Sandman? I'm going to keep causing trouble here. Um, <laughs> the Public Enemy, of course, uh, is one of the most decorated uh, teams in ECW. In fact, uh, they have the highest number of combined days, four reigns, 369 days, which really isn't terribly much if you think about it. But um, I don't know. I think, uh, again, I wasn't watching the early part. That's when they were dominant. Um, And uh, obviously everyone knows how they went over in WCW and WWF. Um, And... uh, you know, Sandman is is a legend. Scorpio is a, is a great wrestler. Um, you know, Sandman can match the brutality, and Scorpio uh, can hit him with some scientific moves. Uh, so uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the team of Scorpio and Sandman. All right. Well, it comes to me. Um, you know, Scorpio and Sandman, they were a good team, but when I think of Scorpio and Sandman, I don't think of their tag team. I think of them individually as singles wrestlers. Um, Their tag team was not really much to be desired. But when I think of Public Enemy, yeah, they had rough runs in WWE and WCW, but it was in ECW where they made their name. They They were one of the biggest things in ECW, especially in those early days of the company. Um, there was, you really couldn't discount them. Um, you know, as, like I said, as corny as their runs were in the other federations, they worked out really well in ECW and yeah, 
That's why I'm going with Public Enemy on this one. Uh, Bob, you're the tiebreaker. Who you got, Public Enemy or Scorpio and the Sandman? Well, when you look at their title ratings, Adam mentioned, you know, Public Enemy had the belt four times for the longest time, 369 days. Um, one of the times they actually defended the belts was against the Sandman and, and Scorpio, and they defeated him there, but... When the Sandman and Scorpio actually did win their belts, you know, they had one reign for 62 days. It was Public Enemy that they defeated in November to remember to win the title belts. Um, I I see exactly both points that everyone's pointing out. I, I, I do see the Sandman, and, you know, we've talked about him in the past and how much we loved him. And, you know, Scorpio is just a, a super athletic freak uh, doing a lot of stuff at that time. You know, those Mozart flips where he would spin his body was just amazing super talented um but again just like you said i see them as more individual wrestlers than tag team stars um public enemy rocko rock could wrestle if you watch uh, you know watch them together rocko rock was really talented in the ring it was johnny grunge that kind of you know didn't live up to par with regards to the talent but together as a team they had a cohesiveness that um made it work well together for them so uh, the fact that they worked really well together in regards to a, t- a tag team. Um, I'm going to go with Public Enemy on this one. So, two to one. All right. There we go. Yeah. In a two to one vote, it is Public Enemy going on to the next round over Scorpio and the Sandman. All right. We've had some t- tight votes so far this this round. Let's see if we can keep that going. In our next match, we have the number five overall seed. New Jack and Mustafa Saeed, the gangsters, going up against, as I mentioned before, the team of Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. I'll start this right. one off. Furness and LaFon were they were good, solid technical wrestlers. They, you know, they. Were, <laughs> I, I would not like put them on par with what FTR kind of is now but like as far as like a no frills kind of tag team i i think yeah there's no there's no really comparing those two but you know (laughs) as far as a no frills tag team goes like i i i i would say that it's uh a weaker version of an ftr in ecw with uh furnace and lafon um you don't have to agree with me bob it's fine they were better than ftr better they were huh? FTR before FTR was born. <laughs> but um, you know they they were great. I I have nothing bad to say about Furnace and Lafon, but when you go up against the Gangsters, who's a tag team that's just ready made for a federation like ECW, you know New Jack and Mustafa just out there, to, just ready to kick your ever loving ass with anything that they can get a hold of. You know, they were two-time tag team champions in ECW. They they were, you know... I, I know New Jack went on to, uh, you know, fame as a singles wrestler, but as a tag team, the Gangsters, I think, left an indelible mark in ECW, and that's why I'm going to pick them over Furnace and LaFon. Uh, Bob, how about you? The Gangsters... Or your boys, Furnace and LaFon? First of all, Furnace and LaFon would beat the shit out of the Nasty Boys, so I just got to put that out there first. <laughs> well, we're in agreement um, on that, yeah. I agree with that, too. 
you should you should call them by their proper name. They were called the Can Am Connection. Um, so get that oh, right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're going to drop knowledge, drop it like that. And you you also need to refer to them as one time ECW Tag Team Champions. They held the belt for one day, if you recall. Um, they beat the FBI and then they lost it the same day. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> I I liked Furnace and Lafon. I thought they were pretty interesting together. Um, Doug Furnace was a bigger guy. He was like the uh, the brute strength of the team. And uh, Phil LaFon was like the solid finesse guy of the team. Uh, together, where they worked really real hand-in-hand. Hand. And I think you nailed it. Um, yeah, definitely not on the level of what FTR is. But they were more like the gatekeepers of the tag team division. They were the the team that you would put in there. And they would make them have, at any team, like have a great match. Um, so if you looked really well against Ferdis and LaFon, you moved on. And, you know, you got a shot at the belts. And if you didn't, you didn't. You know, so it's like... I feel like they were the ones that were out there to make others look good. Um, so, with regards to that, I give them their props. But you said the gangsters were made perfectly for what ECW was. Um, you could have brute strength. You could have all the finesse you want. You have uh, New Jack, who is as crazy as they come. And you have, you know, Mustafa Saeed, who was a big boy. And he was brute strength, too. You know, he was... Uh, He's no, no. A lot of people never really talked about him much because of the craziness that New Jack had. But Mustafa could hold his own, and he was really talented as well. So, this is easy, uh, an easy pick for me. The gangsters would have crushed him. All right. Well, it's formality again, Adam. But we'll go to you, gangsters or Furnace and Lafon. Yeah, I agree with you guys, hundred uh, percent. Furnace and Lafon, I saw uh, had a lot of uh, championships in Japan. Um, Bob mentioned the short reign in a short-lived run in WWE, which they probably they could have been longer, uh, considering that, that they had the Godwins and the Headbangers and Smoking Guns and teams like that. But I digress. Uh, they were sent to ECW after that. Um, that was Vince holding uh, them back. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, gangsters came from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, they were badasses there, and they got to even kick it up a notch in ECW, where there was no no limitations on what they could say or what they do, what they could do. And yeah, uh, that's a place uh, where, where teams like that shine, just brawling, using weapons, uh, using the whole arena as their as their mat. Uh, so it's it would be just a wrong environment for Furnace and Lafon. So I. I concur make this a sweep all right well there you go another sweep well it's the the first sweep since our first match uh the gangsters coming in and taking it from furnace and lafon in a 3-0 sweep all right let's get to our next match our next match the number two overall team the team of john cronus and perry saturn the eliminators going up against the number 15 seed team of Chris Candido and Johnny Hotbody, otherwise known as the Suicide Blondes. Bob, let's start with you. The Eliminators and the Suicide Blondes, who you got? Uh, So the Suicide Blondes were an early ECW tag team. They won the belts twice, and they held it for 88 days. They kind of did the Freebird rule. It was Chris Candido, it was Chris Michaels, and it was Johnny Hotbody. Um, 
pretty decent workers. They never really amounted to much outside of ECW besides Candido. You know, Candido went and made himself a career, but after that, the other two didn't do much. Um, they ended up beating Tony Stetson and Larry Winters and the Super Destroyers for the belts. Two other teams that I never heard of, um, especially, like I said, it was the early days of ECW. The Eliminators were, were, were something fun, something different. Um, Perry Saturn was a tall little compound package of just, like, muscle. You would see him, but, like, he had these nasty-ass kicks, and he was stiff, and he could move around. And, and then John Cronus, he was just this tall, lanky guy, but he, too, man, the... the the solid kicks that he had and the movement that he could do for such a big guy. It was just like, well, this team together really works well. And then you would see them together in the ring and the, the tandem moves that we they would, they would do, especially the total elimination. I had never seen anything like that before. Uh, they had the look. They had the appearance. Um, and, again, I, I mentioned it earlier with Public Enemy. They had a cohesiveness when it came to being in the ring together. So i take the Eliminators on this one. All right. How about you, Adam? The Eliminators or the Suicide Blondes? This is the easiest one for me. Um, you know, we've cited the praises of Chris Candido before. Uh, obviously, it's early in his career. He wanted to do some more great things in ECW. But, uh, yeah, I, I never heard of the other two guys, really. Um, again, it was just, uh, they're the, they were the, at the top of the very shallow uh, talent pool back then. Uh, the Eliminators is... Uh, the two seed for a reason, I think, uh, other than the Dudley boys. They're one of the most memorable tag teams. Uh, Perry Saturn's a guy who's who's underrated. Uh, loved them in this team, loved them in WCW, and then Vince ruined his career having him play with Mops, uh, which is a shame. Uh, Cronus was a good under-the-radar wrestler, too. Um, like Bob said, they had great uh, tandem moves, and uh, they had the look... Uh, they're one of my favorite teams from ECW, uh, so this one's this one's slam dunk for me. Eliminators. Yeah, it's going to be another sweep. Um, you know, the Suicide Blondes, like I said, it was the early days of ECW. Didn't really check out a lot of their stuff. Um, Chris Candido, of course, was a great wrestler. Not really too up on, uh, was it? Chris, uh, what was it? Michaels. Chris Michaels and uh, Johnny Hotbody. Um, but, yeah, doesn't matter because Cronus and Saturn were just going to kick your ass anyway. Like I said, all you have to do, all you have, all you have to know about the Eliminators is just watching them pull total elimination off on somebody. And you're just like, God damn, that's one of the best tag team finishers I've ever seen in my life. So, yeah. Eliminators win this one hands down. They go on to the next round. All right. Let's start our next match here. We have the number seven overall, Danny Doring and Amish Roadkill going up against the number 10 seed, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. Adam, let's go with you. Malenko and Benoit versus Doring and Roadkill. Who do you got? Doring and Roadkill were a fun team. Uh, they're a heel team. Uh, Doring uh, could could work pretty well. Um, Amish Roadkill, uh, for a big guy, could move pretty decent, too. Um, they're a very odd pairing, but somehow it worked. Uh, I kind of like the whole odd couple dynamic with them. 
They're always fun, always entertaining. Uh, they're the last ever ECW tag champions before the company folded. Probably could have gotten a couple more uh, reigns in there. But I'm sorry. Uh, Malenko and Benoit are two of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time. Um, you know, even in the uh, hardcore environment of ECW, I mean, it's the stiff chops, the submission holds, all the stuff that Malenko and Benoit could do. They could easily handle handle that style. Um, again, Doring and Roadkill, uh, good team for a long time. Uh, it'd be a fun and entertaining match, but but uh, just uh, they get schooled by the professor and the crippler. Uh, going Malenko, Benoit. All right. Well, it's not going to be a sweep because I'm I'm. Hey, I'm going to explain it to you now. It's all good. Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit, two of the best technical wrestlers to ever enter the ring. I'm not going to contest that. Everybody knows how special those two guys were. And, you know, they were always allies, you know, in WCW. They were part of the radicals in WWE. Um, you know, and and they worked well together as a team in, in ECW. But, you know, I'm looking at this whole thing as a tag team tournament. And when it came to ECW, I didn't think of Dean Malenko or Chris Benoit as a team in ECW, kind of going back to, you know, what we said about, or what I said about Scorpio and Sandman. I thought of them more as just like singles guys thrown together in a team. I kind of, you know, just because Malenko and Benoit were close, it made them a little bit easier of a team to, to, to be, but even still, I don't really see them as, you know, a great tag team as far as being together because they they accomplished a lot more as singles guys. Whereas when it came to Doring and Roadkill, all they were was a tag team. You know, those two guys separately didn't accomplish much. But when you put them together, they're one of the more memorable tag teams in ECW history. You know, you have Muffet Ass and a huge dude in a huge dude in Amish gear, <laughs> one of the most unlikely teams you're ever gonna see, and you know, they made it work. And for that, just for that alone, I'm giving the, the edge to Doring and Roadkill. I think that as far as just a pure team goes, I think they edge out Malenko and Benoit. So Bob, it's up to you. You're a tiebreaker. Who you got? I like both of your uh, your stories here. I I am I was a huge Danny Doring fan. You know that, Tony. Um, I love the muffin ass comment there. That was hilarious. Move aside and let the man come through. Let the man come through. That's one of my all time favorite uh, theme songs as well, especially for him. Uh, he played that character great. Love the dude. Um, his finisher is the bareback and the wham bam. Thank you, man. Have to also be announced during the show. Uh, Roadkill, like Adam said, you know, great talent. Uh, he moved really well for a big man. You know, doing the uh, he would walk the ropes. I think he would also do the old school, right? The Undertaker. Uh, so he would do that. And then, like you said, Malenko and Benoit, two amazing talents in the ring. They also went out, like you said. They were part of the Four Horsemen in WCW. They were tag team champs in WCW as well. Um, 
They also were tag team champs in ECW. They they won the belt once. They held the belt for forty two days, and they defeated Sabu and Taz to be the champs as well. So um, that was at around the time when ECW's tag team division was starting to get big. Because after that, Public Enemy came in, the Dudley soon came in after that, and the Eliminators were as when Doring and Roadkill were the champs, they were busy fighting FBI, the Baldies, and Hot Commodities. So, um, I I go with Malenko and Benoit on this one. I think they uh, they'll be able to take them down. I do love all four talents, but I uh, again I go. Sometimes you got to go with the weaker link, and I think Amish Roadkill would be one of the weak links here with regards to it. And Doring, too, as much as I like him, but uh, Benoit Malenko get my vote on this one. All right. Well, there we go. Our first lower seed moves on to the second round. Uh, I guess ranking-wise, you could call it an upset. I don't know if it's that big of one, but, yeah, Malenko and Benoit moving on to the next round. All right. Let's get to our next match. We have the number three seed, the team of Rob Van Dam and Sabu going up against the number 14 seed, the team of Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac. Um, I'll start this one off. Uh, you know, Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac, of course, when you when you say the word Tasmaniac, you know this is the early days of ECW because Taz wasn't Taz yet. You know, instead of being the the bald badass, you know, in in the wrestling singlet, he was he still had hair, and uh, he was you know trying to be a you know Captain Caveman kind of guy. He was just like he was like. Uh, did he come with a bat? I don't know if he, did he. I, maybe I, I'm not sure, but he was he was supposed to be yeah, this. Uh, yeah, he he was this feral kind of uh, savage guy that Kevin Sullivan found and they made a, and they made a tag team together. And, you know, Kevin Sullivan, it's at that point in his career could still, he could still work. And Taz, of course, you know, even it was, even if it was still early in his career, Taz could still work as well. But then you have the team of Rob Van Dam and Sabu and those guys, you know, as much as I like Taz, um, as a tag team, they get the edge over Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac. They just do. They just the high flying of Rob Van Dam, the uh just go for broke, do whatever you want can to win the match craziness of Sabu. I, I, to me it's a no brainer. R V D and Sabu uh get the win on this one. Uh Bob, how about you? R V D and Sabu versus Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac. I um, I agree with you. Um, those two really worked well together. I mean, they were two-time champs. They held the belt for 244 days. Sullivan Taz had it two times as well, but they only had it for 64 days. Um, again, just RVD and Sabu were so much fun to watch in the ring together. Um, you know, the athleticism and the craziness that they brought along with it. Taz hadn't reached that level yet of what we've known him to be as the biggest badass that he was. So um, it, it's an easy pick for me on this one. All right. How about you, Adam? RVD and Sabu versus Tasmaniac and Kevin Sullivan. Got to do the light effect. Oh, sorry. I thought you, I thought you were going to throw a fireball. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good too. Yeah, I'm 
totally in agreement. Um, I'm not a big Kevin Sullivan fan, if I'm being honest. Uh, the Dungeon of Doom uh, caused me a lot of pain. Um, so, uh, you know, and again, like we mentioned, Taz wasn't the same wrestler at that point. Um, obviously, they were a good brawling team um, in their time, but RVD and Sabu were, were two of the biggest faces of e ECW. Uh, they had two two good reigns, two runs with the belt, and a lot of main event tag matches. Uh, I see uh, both Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac uh, going through tables uh, with Sabu and RVD doing leg drops from uh, the opposite corners, and it'll be a thing of beauty. All right. So we go another sweep here in the first round. RVD and Sabu take off, take off into the next round by beating Kevin Sullivan and the Tasmaniac. 3 nothing. All right. It's our last match here in the first round, and we have the number six seed, the Impact Players, the team of Just Incredible and Lance Storm, going up against the team of Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. Bob, let's start with you on this one. The Impact Players or Mahoney and Rotten? Mahoney and Rotten were kind of thrown together. Um, again, kind of very similar styles in what they did. Um, they were just going to go in there, beat your ass, brawl with you. Again, good matches for the Nasty Boys on that one. Um, they, you know, would tables, chairs, whatever they could get a hands on. That That's what, you know, you were, whenever you watched one of their matches, you, you would expect someone to go through a table, someone to get their ass kicked with a chair. And um, that, that was what you would typically expected with the Balls Mahoney uh, Axel Rotten match. The Impact players, I was surprised when I saw it, it was that you know I, they were a dominating tag team for ECW, but they held the belts twice for 79 days. I thought they would have held the belts for such a longer period of time. Um, they worked really well together. You know, Just Incredible was you know. Um, great with, with with that tag team Lance Storm was the glue that held it together um, you know Credible was kind of like a, I wouldn't say like a full out brawler but he wasn't a great technical wrestler where Lance Storm you know could just out wrestle the shit out of anybody he wanted to and um, I, I feel like that they would have done that easily with regards to uh, Balls and Axel Rotten so I go with the Impact players on this one alright Adam who you got, Impact Players or Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten? Yeah, I agree. Um, Impact Players was an un underrated team. I was kind of surprised, too, that they only had two brief runs. Um, yeah, uh, just incredible. Uh, you know, kind of inherited uh, the Singapore cane after the, uh, the Sandman hit his cup of coffee in WCW. Um, so I could see a lot of chair shots being administered by him. A lot of uh, kendo stick shots. Um, obviously, Storm is uh, is a technical uh, master, as as previously mentioned. Uh, there's just a lot more under the hood there. Uh, Balls is a decent worker. He could he was a, kind of a poor man's McFoley. He took a lot of big bumps, took a lot of chair shots to the head. Axel Rotten was just a straight up. Brawler never did much for me. Uh, as Bob mentioned, they're kind of thrown together because they're similar types of wrestlers, but that's not going to be enough to beat uh, two top-tier talents at ECW like uh, Storm and, and Just Incredible. So, yeah, um, this is an easy one for me. 
impact players. Yeah, it's going to be another sweep. You guys have pretty much said it all. You know, the, the team of the impact players, you know, Balls Mahoney and Axel Rodden, they were good at what they did, but you're not going to get over a team like Storm and Just Incredible with what they had. So, yeah, enough said. Impact players, go on to the next round. All right, that brings us to the second round here of the tournament, our Elite Eight. Um, and starting off this round, we have our number one seed, the Dudley Boys, going up against the number eight seed, Pitbulls. All right, is this? Uh, do I start on this one, or is Adam? I think Adam, you start on this one, I believe. Yeah. Adam, Dudleys or the Pitbulls? Yeah, this one's pretty easy for me, too. Um, obviously, as you guys mentioned, uh, Pitbulls were an intimidating team in the early days of ECW. Uh, they could throw down, they could fight. Uh, very old-school type of team, but uh, the Dudleys could fight as good as anybody. Um, and you throw in the tables, you throw in the uh, the chairs, and uh, all the tandem moves that uh, Bubba Ray and Devon could throw together. Um uh, you know, uh, they could take a lot of punishment too. They always bled quite a bit, especially Bubba during matches. Um, so, you know, pit bulls will give them a good fight, but uh, Dudley's uh, win this one, I think, fairly easily. Yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I think the pit bulls, like I said, they were a great team, not to the old school, um, just a brawling team, but. They're not going to last very long against the Dudley boys. Bubba Ray and Devon, you know, they may, you know, sag here and there as far as, uh, you know, getting the pit bulls, letting them get some of their stuff in. But it's really no contest. The Dudley boys, I think, finish off the pit bulls without much of a problem. Uh, Bob, how about you? Who you got, Dudleys or the pit bulls? Uh, it's a clean sweep. You nailed it, the Dudleys. But, uh let them get their moves in here and there, but 3D at the end, wrap it up, game over, on to the next one. That's it. All right. So there we go. On to the, the final four of the ECW bracket goes the number one seed, Dudley Boys, over the number eight seed, Pitbulls. All right. Next matchup, pretty interesting. Our number four seed, the Public Enemy. Going up against the number five seed, Gangsters. Uh, I'll start with this one. Like I said, Public Enemy were one of the more most over tag teams in ECW history. Made their name in the early days of the company. Um, definitely over with the crowd. They got over with ECW crowds uh, like they never did with any other crowd and honestly I was kind of surprised by that. I thought that an ECW team would have thought they were kind of corny but that the ECW fans ate Public Enemy up. They loved it. But um, you know what? I'm thinking that when it comes to team teaming up and going up against the gangsters um, I think this is where Public Enemy's look kind of, kind of runs out. I think um, like you said Bob Johnny Grunge uh, was kind of a weak link in the chain. Rocco Rock was, you know, a good worker, but Johnny Grunge, nah, you know, he 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 never really was a I, what I would call an elite worker. Not not that New Jack was. New Jack 
couldn't wrestle for shit. But he could pick up a fucking weapon and smash you over the head with it like like you, nobody's business. And Mustafa would just straight up kick your ass. I think when it comes to depth and just, uh, you know, the willingness to be brutal and win the match, I'm going to give the edge to the gangsters on this one. Uh, Bob, how about you? Public Enemy and the Gangsters, which one you got? Public Enemy was four-time champs, and they won their belt by defeating Kevin Sullivan and Taz, Cactus Jack, Mikey Whipwreck, Benoit Malenko in a three-man uh, triple threat, and then Raven and Stevie Richards. So if you see, those are all good teams, but they weren't solid teams that worked together as an actual tag team, like you, you've been mentioning earlier on in the show, Tony. Um, whereas the Gangsters, they won twice, and they beat the Eliminators, and they beat the Dudleys for the title belts. I, I kind of see this as uh, Public Enemy coming out and, and kind of trying to do what they want to do and start up a brawl, but this would kind of show up kind of like with uh, Public Enemy and and the uh, the Acolytes on Sunday Night Heat, where the Gangsters would pretty much say, you know what... This doesn't work for us, brother, and they'll just go ahead and start beating the living shit out of the public enemy, and there's absolutely nothing they could do to to do anything about it. So uh, the gangsters, kind of kind of like that that little kid, the gangsters are going to win whether they want to or not. Um, so that's exactly what's going to happen. Nice. All right, Adam. It's a formality, but who do you got? Public enemy or the gangsters? Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, I like Tony's depth argument. Um, they're just a stronger unit. And, uh, yeah, uh, that was an interesting point Bob made, too, about, uh, you know, beating two of the, the two top seeds. They, they own wins over them. Uh, so uh, that makes an even easier argument for me. Um, yeah, I'm thinking it's a sweep. All right. Yep. Clean sweep. On to the final four. Go the gangsters over the public enemy. All right. Next match, we have the number two seed, the Eliminators, going up against the number 10 seed, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. All right. Let's see. Uh, Bob, let's start with you on this one. We have the Eliminators and Malenko and Benoit. Who you got? This would be fun to watch because, again, you know, Perry Saturn was small, compact, stiff, you know. Um, he, he hung out with the group of Benoit and Malenko and Eddie Guerrero, so he belonged in that in that little core with them. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, Cronus, Cronus could move around and, and uh, he, he was very talented in the ring. But um, on the level of the other three guys that I just mentioned, nowhere near the talent that those three had um when i think about it the eliminators were great to watch in the ring but um if i had to put it all together i would give this to malenko and benoit if you think about it one of the reasons why the eliminators broke up was because perry saturn said that cronus never had it in him he didn't have the passion he didn't have the want to uh put it all into professional wrestling whereas Perry Saturn did, Benoit did, Dean Malenko did. Um, you know, he would say that pretty much Cronus was just in it for the paycheck and, and nothing else. So um I go with Malenko and Benoit here just because of uh Cronus would be in the the, the weakest link. <laughs> 
All right. How about you, Adam? Eliminators or Malenko and Benoit? Well, I'm going to put Tony on the spot because I'm going to go with the Eliminators. Um, again, uh, it's be a great match, very fun to watch, but uh, I'm going to use the cohesion um, argument here. Um, they're just the more decorated team. Um, and, uh, you know, when they were, you know, we're talking in our prime here, so when they were they're at their best, uh, they're winning a lot of titles and beating a lot of top teams uh, because they had the more uh, matches together. I think the double team moves, uh, they, they'd have more of those in supply and uh, be a narrow, narrow matchup, but uh, I see the Eliminators pulling it out. All right, well, that makes me the tiebreaker. And you know what, Bob? I think you sold me. I think you sold me on Malenko and Benoit over the Eliminators. Um, And you sold me with that last part that you said about the Eliminators breaking up and it being because of John Cronus. Um, Yeah, when you look at it, Saturn, of course, was the stronger of the two. And what we've talked about here, you know, the weak, the weak link in the chain is always going to cost you. And, yeah, I don't see John Cronus um, being able to step up to a team like Malenko and Benoit. Um, you know, I, I love the Eliminators. I really do. Um, and they were a more decorated tag team. But I think, you know, while I said team cohesion and uh, chemistry was important. Um, What you said, Bob, really struck a chord to me because eventually, you know, Saturn just didn't want to work with Cronus anymore. And that's not very cohesive of a team. That's the exact opposite. So, yeah, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to go with Malenko and Benoit over the Eliminators. So there we go. We're, that Cinderella 10, 10 ranking still alive. Malenko yeah. and Benoit going to the final four. All right. Let's get to our next match here. Our next match, the last one of this round. We have the team of RVD and Sabu versus the Impact Players. Adam, start with you. RVD and Sabu or Storm Incredible? This uh, this is another fun one. This is a take my money please kind of match. Uh, four great talents again. Four of the biggest names in the company history uh, going at it. Um, RVD and and Lance Storm. Need I say any more? They uh, they've they've done battle before. Had some great matches. Um, you know, Sabu, ECW legend. Uh, so many great matches. Uh, just incredible. Maybe not as big a name as the, the first three, but uh, he really came into his own as a wrestler in ECW. Um, I'm going to have to go with the experience factor. And uh, again, I'd say out of those four, Credible's kind of the, the weakest link, I think. I think Sabu and Van Dam, um, you know, they work together longer. Um, and uh, I mean, ECW was made for those two. They were two of the best uh, company history, and, and they had success as a tag team, uh, like genuine success. So I'm going Sabu and uh, RVD. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you on this one, Adam. I'm going to go with RVD and Sabu as well. 
Um, they were just, you know, when it comes to just overall talent and, you know, what do they call it? The, uh, the little things you can't really measure. The, um, God, they used to say that bullshit about Derek Jeter. He had the, uh, the intangibles, I guess. Uh, RVD and Sabu uh, have the edge as far as the intangibles go. Plus, they had uh, Bill Alfonso as a, uh, you know, in the corner pocket, which is a much better, uh, much better secret weapon than Jason, uh, which the Impact players had in their corner. Um, so yeah, I think overall it's RVD and Sabu. I love the Impact players, but they meet their match this round. Uh, Bob, how about you? RVD and Sabu or the Impact players? Yeah, I like all four. I like both of them as teams, but you guys nailed everything together with regards to uh, RVD and Sabu, so there's not much else to be repeated. Uh, We make it a clean sweep. All right. Well, there we go. Our semifinals are now set with RVD and Sabu moving on to the next round. All right. Let's start those semifinals here. We have the number one seed, the Dudley Boys, going up against the number five seed, the Gangsters. This is going to be a bloody-as-fuck match. This is going to be a brawl through the crowd, through every inch of the arena. This is going to be one to see. Um, And... You know, both of these teams are going to, of course, give their all. But, you know, the edge, I still think, goes to the Dudley boys. It's They just have that certain something that the gangsters, I think, lack. You know, gangsters are ultra-violent. They're mean as fuck. Um, but so are the Dudley boys. And But the Dudley boys also have, um, I think they're better wrestlers. That's what it comes down to. They're much better wrestlers than the gangsters, and yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be what determines this. They're the Dudleys can outlast in a match with the gangsters, and that's why I have them moving on to the finals here. Bob, how about you? Dudleys and the gangsters. Who you got? Yeah, this would be a lot of fun to watch. They did. Uh... You know, defeat each other for the belts as well. The Dudleys um, d- defended the titles against the Gangsters, and then the Gangsters ended up winning one of their their second belts from the Dudleys at Heat Wave '97. Um, so definitely a lot of fun to watch. Um, four great talents in the ring, like you said, extremely violent, extremely bloody. Uh, but at the end of the day, I still see Bubba Ray and Devon just standing. You know, and either New Jack or Mustafa being one of the ones on the ground that just can't keep up with them. So, um, Dudley boys, take it from me. All right. Adam, how about you? Dudleys or the Gangsters? Yeah, get the broom out. Um, yeah. Intense, bloody. Uh, John Moxley would probably be in the front row wanting to participate in a match like this. Uh, fork in hand. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I, I agree with all your points. Uh, Dudleys are just overall better wrestlers. Uh, they can do some high-impact maneuvers that would really slow the gangsters down, including the 3D Dudley Death Drop, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, tag team finishers of all time. This is, uh, yeah, this is pretty easy for me still. All right, so there we go. 
Moving on to the final match, the Dudley Boys in a 3-0 sweep over the Gangsters. Who will be their opponent? Is it going to be the number 10 seed, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit? Or is it going to be the number 3 seed, RVD and Sabu? Who we got? Bob, let's start with you. Four amazing talents. Uh, This would be fun to watch all of them together. Uh, When Malenko and Benoit won the title, they defeated Sabu, but his partner at that time was Taz. Um, RVD and Sabu together as a team, they uh, defeated the Dudleys for the belt, and then they won it from uh, Chris Candido and Lance Storm after it was vacant. Um, A lot of times when I come down to it, it's like, if you're the champ, it's also who you beat while you're the champ, and at, at that time, too... The uh, our, the team of RVD and Sabu they were beating everybody. You know the we mentioned uh, earlier Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. They beat uh, the FBI. Uh, they had that legendary match with Hakushi and Hayabusa where they defended the title belts. They beat Bam Bam Bigelow and Shane Douglas. And you know they also beat the Dudleys. So um, it's the longevity of their their reigns together and who they were beating and the way that they were doing everything together. This is where. Um, the run for Malenko and Benoit comes to an end for me. I go with uh, RVD and Sabu on this one. All right. How about you, Adam? RVD and Sabu or Malenko and Benoit? This would definitely be on a uh, on a best of DVD. Um, <laughs> this match took place. Um, but, yeah, I agree with Bob. Um, again, uh, Malenko and Benoit are just great tactical wrestlers. They could take a lot of punishment. Uh, but so can Sabu and RVD. Uh, watch Sabu fight Terry Funk in a barbed wire match. See what that guy's tolerance for pain is. Uh, RVD's quickness, I think, uh, also is a is a huge factor here. Uh, not that Benoit and Malenko are slow, but um, you know he was a different breed of cat. I don't, I don't think uh, uh, he kind of throw them off a little bit. I think so. Uh, in the end. Um, It'd be very close, but uh, I think Sabu and RVD also. Yeah, it's going to be a clean sweep. Um, you know, Malenko and Benoit, the Cinderella story comes to an end. Not really a Cinderella story because, like I said, these are two two of the best that ever entered the ring. Um, but I think, yeah, as far as uh, this goes, um, they just have... A little bit, they're a little bit lacking in the team department. I think that RVD and Sabu have. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. RVD and Sabu are going on to the finals over Dimalenko and Chris Benoit. So here we go, the final match in our ECW bracket. We have the number one seed, the Dudley Boys, going up against the number three seed, RVD and Sabu. Adam, we start with you on this one. Who do you got? So it's a little tougher than I thought, um, just because uh, Sabu and RVD are legends. Obviously, they'd have the crowd on their side. Um, you know, um, they're on the Mount Rushmore VCW, and, and they're a formidable team. It's not like a team like Sabu and Taz where or Raven and Tommy Dreamer, where they held the belts, but they hated each other. Um, you know, they had genuine respect between them. Um, 
But what 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 uh, does it for me? Uh, despite RVD's quickness and Sabu's ability, uh, high flying abilities, I uh, again the Dudleys are leather tough, and the deciding factor for me is uh, the Dudleys were the ones to end the two reigns of RVD and Sabu. Um, so when when it came down to the to the nitty gritty, to when it mattered the most, uh, the Dudleys were the team that was on top. Again, I think they're under the radar as wrestlers a little bit. Uh, don't get quite as much credit as some other ECW talent because they were tag team mostly, uh, but they're the most cohesive and the most decorated. Uh, so I'm giving the Dudleys the nod. Hmm. Part of me just wants to say RVD and Cebu just to make things interesting, but I can't do that. I can't. I, I, I just can't do that. R- RVD and Cebu were a great team, but the Dudleys, the Dudleys are a transcendent fucking team. They really are. You know, when you say the Dudley boys, it doesn't matter if you were alive for ECW or not, you know who they are. Um, you know, be it in ECW, WWE, Impact, wherever it is you, you saw the Dudley boys, um, or Team 3D as they were known in Impact, um, <coughs> they were just, you know, the personification of great tag team wrestling. And, you know, when we made fun and just be like, oh, there's, this was a foregone conclusion as far as who was going to win this bracket. Yes and no. I think as we were talking about it more, I think we, I think I didn't really give a lot of the tag teams here in ECW a fair shake because there were some great teams. But none of them, in my opinion, can touch the Dudley boys. They were just on another level than anybody in ECW. So, yeah. They 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 win this one, uh, Bob. How about you? What you, what do you say about RVD and Sabu or the Dudleys? Well, 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 Tony. This pick for me was harder than the tree that killed Sonny Bono. <laughs> but the Dudleys were pretty much the face of the tag team division in ECW. Uh, They were loyal to the company. They never wanted to leave. Um, They even offered to stay for $1 more, and Paul Heyman just couldn't, just said, nope, just just go. Um, But they were the face of, of, of ECW tag team wrestling and tag team wrestling for a long, long time. Like you mentioned, what they did at Impact, what they did in, in the WWE as well. Uh, first people from ECW even to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, RVD and Sabu, special, special talents. Craziness, what they brought to the ring. Amazing what they did in the ring. But when it came to actually being a team, no one could touch what the Dudleys did. Um, so, yeah, for me, uh, it, it's the Dudley boys. Clean sweep. Um, it, they beat some good teams on the way to the finals, but that's what they did in their entire career. They put every, they beat everybody that was put in front of them, and and uh, they always rose to the top. So there you go, Dudleys. 
Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the winners of our ECW Tag Team Bracket, the Dudley Boys, coming out on top. They go to the Final Four to meet uh, or to join uh, the New Day and the Road Warriors alongside them. Um, Yeah. How'd you guys think that this ECW Tag Team uh, Bracket shook out now that we've done it? I know we were kind of, uh, you know making fun of it a little bit going in but uh after we talked about it and went through it did you know do you get a a new appreciation for the ecw tag division or is it still like eh, it's, it's the dudleys and everybody else let's start with you bob you get an appreciation for it uh it was definitely not on the level of what wcw was last week but i mean you hit that second round you know the dudleys the pitbulls public enemy the gangsters the eliminators Impact players, RVD and Sabu, that's a lot of talent right there. Those are great tag teams all connected together. Um, so, you know, a lot of times, Adam always mentioned back in the day, the PWIs, uh, you know, when they would rank the top teams and stuff like that. I'm sure pretty much back in the day in the late 90s, you would look at those top tag team rankings and you would see a lot of these teams up there and, those, and there's top levels at different parts, you know, different months when you would look at it. So uh, the first round was pretty easy you would look at that and you're like yeah okay but once you got into the second third round it got a little bit more challenging so um it was fun how about you adam what do you say about this uh this particular bracket yeah i think the joking kind of came for me like uh i'd say you know when i did my own personal bracket you know submitted it to you you know again we started we we submitted 25 teams and by the time i got to team like 20 I was really reaching, and I think that's kind of where the uh, this is a lot. This is it's hard to just fill the bracket. Not the rankings so much; it was just harder to fill the bracket. But uh, the upper echelon here, um, you know, easily the top ten teams, if not even a little further. Uh, uh, you know, a number ten team made made the run to the final four. So uh, there's a lot of solid, great teams here, um, and some some great matchups uh, to think about and. That, that I would uh, pay to see. So uh, just like all the other brackets, uh, it was great to discuss and it was it was fun to do. Uh, maybe not the deepest, but uh, still great conversation, discussion about it. Yeah, most definitely. So there you go, folks. Our ECW bracket is now complete. And join us next week as we round out our uh, our tournament here with uh, the fourth of the four Final Four entrants as we hit our Jacksonville, Florida um, regional, and we do our AEW slash Ring of Honor uh, bracket. That's going to be a, that's going to be an interesting one. So stay tuned next week for that one. All right. Well, that's the show for this week. But before we go, like we do every week, let's give you our match of the week picks. These are matches that we give you guys to watch uh, in the meantime, in between time, before we get back to you with our next show. Adam, let's start with you. What's your match of the week pick this week? I wanted to tie in uh, an ECW tag match, and I wanted to do one with the Dudley boys. So the first one that came to mind for me is probably hard for for fans to find, but uh, I'm going to mention it anyway and then give you a different match. Uh, I think we were all there uh, at the Villa Park Odium in 1999 when uh, 
the Dudleys took on uh, Balls Mahoney and Spike Dudley, and Bubba cut one of the craziest promos you'll ever hear. Uh, it was just insane. Uh, you got to see Balls Mahoney powerbomb through a flaming table at that event. Uh, so that was just, I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live that night. Uh, but very, very close to that uh, was Heat Wave 99. Same teams went at it. And Bubba cut a scathing promo during that uh, particular match as well. A lot of the same spots with the flaming table. And it just gives you a sense of just what an amazing, different, crazy tag team the Dudley Boys truly were. So I'm going to go with that. All right. How about you, Bob? What's your match of the week pick this week? Please find that promo that I was talking about from the Odium. Um, you'll actually see a very young me. <laughs> In there, uh, we 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 went to that show. We were third row. I remember I had my brother, and if you recall, he pisses off the fans so much that some dude that was kitty quarter for me threw a chair at Bubba Ray Dudley during yes. uh, the promo, and and then security just pounced on him and beat his ass so quickly. But then Bubba riled up the crowd and told people to throw chairs in the ring. And here we are, third row, and I'm hovering over my little brother just because I don't want him to get squashed with this shit. Because um, yeah. your brother was, was like, just, what, te- he was like 10 at the time, right? This was what? What? Um, 99. If it was 99? 99? 99. My brother, my brother was 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Yeah, so I took him, I took him to an ECW show. Proud of it. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because if you, you also have that that uh, the Hulk Hogan wannabe right there in the front row too, that uh, you right. know they they completely tore a new one into as well. Uh, so see that promo, and then afterwards watch. Um, Twenty six years ago today, on this day, was ECW's first ever pay per view. It was barely legal, um, oh. April thirteenth um, of ninety seven, and the very first opening match on that pay per view was the first time I ever got to see the Dudley boys and the Eliminators wrestle um, against each other. It's not the greatest of matches because it's kind of cut short. If you remember, Bubba Ray Dudley uh, breaks his ankle uh, during the match, but to see how bad the Dudleys, like how badasses the Dudleys are, he continues to wrestle the match with a broken ankle. Uh, And you can clearly tell when he breaks it, it's early in the match, but he still finishes the match and uh, does everything he had to do and just saw the passion of what ECW was because that was their make it or break it deal that they had. So you get a chance to check out that match. Yeah. Well, my uh, match of the week pick this week, um, I believe I already had it as a match of the week pick, but um, I'll do it again because we're talking about ECW and this is probably one of the best ECW tag matches of all time from heat wave 98. We talked about it earlier. Uh, RVD and Sabu versus Hayabusa, and um, blinking, blinking, blinking. Uh, Shinsei Shinsaki or Shinsei Shinsaki, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Otherwise known as Hakushi in WWE, that's right. Um, yeah, Shinsei Shinsaki. And, yeah, just fucking awesome tag match. Uh, if you guys have it, or, or, you know, you can watch it on Peacock. Uh, it's Heat Wave 98. It's you, you won't regret it. It's one of the best tag team matches, not in just ECW history, but wrestling history as a whole, in my opinion. So go check that one out. All right. Well, that's that's the show this week. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, two ways to do it, of course. There's the email address. You can email us at 
Enhancement Talent 316 at gmail.com. That's Enhancement Talent 316 at gmail.com. Or you can do what everybody else does and join our Facebook fan page. Uh, go to Facebook, look up the Enhancement Talent, and click that join button. We're all admins. We'll see you. We'll, uh, you know, add you to the group. You guys can post whatever you want, poll questions, um, show suggestions, memes, jokes, news, whatever you want to, whatever you want to post. We have a great community there, and um, yeah, just want to share the wealth as far as uh, the wrestling fans are concerned on our group page. Also, wherever you uh, stream or listen to this show, be sure to click that subscribe button. That helps us a lot. That uh, lets us know who's listening when they're listening, and um, yeah, it benefits the show as well. So click that join button or subscribe button, and also, hey, give us a five-star review while you're at it, because you know we, 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 we deserve that five-star review, God damn it! All right. Well, that's the show for this week. So for the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolavik, and for the other half of the Fab... I'm going back to the fabulous Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. I'm Tony Lopez. We'll talk to you guys next week. Have a nice, safe week. We'll talk to you then. Easy dub. You're nice. Easy dub. Easy dub.